I don't think the worship band could have set us an even better uh, place for communion that we can take together today. And so uh, at the doors, you guys received the emblems. Uh, they're these fancy little things that have little cups. And so if you want to lift up the top part... So in 1 Corinthians 11.23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus. And the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together as a body. same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's partake together. Communion is such a beautiful thing that we get to take together as a body in what it actually represents. The blood of Christ that he shed from the cross for all of us so that we can remember what he did for us. And so I love the fact that I get to do that for the first time here with you guys. Uh, Super excited there. And so Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you for all that you are. We thank you that you love us and care for us. And Lord, I just pray as we get ready to give this message this morning, that you just prepare me and, Father, even prepare the hearts and ears to receive what you have to say uh, through me today, Lord Jesus. So we just give you the honor and the glory in today's message. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And they all said, amen. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. All right, so I am going to be speaking out of a passage that is very common and a lot of people know. And it's actually going to be out of Luke 10, 38 to 42, and if you don't know right now, that's the story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha, when they were preparing a meal for Jesus, Jesus comes into the home, and they're ready to, to eat, and Martha's in the kitchen, and she's slaving away, preparing this meal to be able to bless Jesus, where, on the other hand, in the living room, we have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so today, being in the busy season that it is of December, I want to talk to you about This is one of the busiest seasons, I think, for a lot of people. There's a rush to get so much done. It's a rush to work harder at work, work overtime, so that you can have those extra money to buy your your kids those presents, right? Everybody wants to be able to give that that perfect gift to their kid because, you know what, we want to bless them. Or or maybe you're working overtime because you want to earn money to go on a holiday and take time off to be with your kids. December, November, December are some of the busiest and most stressful times of the year. But I think it doesn't have to be that way. I think there will be stress in the midst of it. But there's something that needs to be the common thing. And and I want to draw that into actually Martha. Martha gets a bad rep. You guys ever heard that? Like, "Ah, don't be a Martha. 
don't you dare be a Martha. Like, Martha, I'm a Mary, right? Have you guys ever, hands up if you ever heard that. I like to interact a little bit, just a heads up. I work with youth, so. <laughs> uh, Martha gets a bad rep in the Bible as this person that was too busy for Jesus. And then it's like Mary is admired. But I want to give, as I was studying for this lesson, there was something that came up that was pretty surprising to me. And it actually was the fact that Martha wasn't doing anything wrong. Martha wasn't, Jesus didn't say all these things to her because he wanted to break her down or anything. He was saying it because he was trying to remind her of something super important. She was doing what a lot of us would do if someone came over to our house. If Pastor Mike came over to your house, you'd want to be like, oh, let me get a good meal for you. Uh, Let me prepare. I'll make sure the house is clean. We all know that moment where we all rush to clean the house before someone comes over. It's a wonderful time. My mom did that a lot. (laughs) And so Martha wasn't doing anything wrong in that moment. And when I was reading it, I came across something that says this. In that culture, hospitality and childbearing would have been the things that were measured of a human's worth, or a woman's worth. They gave her a sense of identity. Martha was trying to be hospitable as it showed her worth, especially to Jesus. However, Jesus wanted her to trust in him for her identity and value. She was distracted by many things, and Jesus understood all of that. These things were important, but not the most important thing. We are busy creatures. We are busy people. In our culture, in North America, it's a go, go, go. If, you take, if you're not doing something, someone's asking you why. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you busy? And I want to talk about, in the midst of busyness today, the importance of sitting at Jesus' feet. And I think there are like three things that I believe, and probably more, of why it's important to sit at Jesus' feet. Jesus' feet was a symbol of submission, right? When you sit at someone's feet in that culture, it was a symbol of submission to that person and laying down. It was also a way of of, of teaching. If someone was teaching, you would sit at their feet because you want to learn. And so it's a beautiful thing that we see. And so I imagine that Martha was actually peeking her ear through multiple times to hear what Jesus had to say while still trying to prep. When we sit at the feet of the Lord, we start to get direction. Some of us are so busy in our lives, so busy in the chaos, in the midst of everything, stress, bills, whatever it is, that we lose direction. We don't know where we're going anymore. We're just going with the flow. But when we take that time to be still with the Lord in the midst of the busyness, the Lord starts to give us direction. There's multiple places throughout Scripture that God speaks to people in direction. And some of the best ways we can find that is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, one of my favorite, one, one of my favorite characters in the Old Testament is, is David. David exemplifies messing up and, and glorifying God at the same time. It's the perfect embodiment of what means, God means of grace for us. And there was this time where, where, where uh, David is getting ready to go into battle in 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 to 6. I'm going to go over there. In 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 to 6, it says, One day, news came to David that the Philistines were in Caleb, stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, 
Go and save Kayla, the Lord told him. But David's men said, We're afraid, even where we're in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Kayla to fight the whole Philistine army. So this moment, instead of David panicking and worrying, and ah, what does he do? He, he goes immediately again. So David asked the Lord again and again, and the Lord replied, Go down to Kayla, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. David and, or David and his men went to Kayla. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Kayla. Beautiful, right? Now when, uh, yeah, we'll stop right there. David confronted the Lord on what he was to do. He had a bunch of people he, were, he, was, he was leading and directing. And instead of him being, oh, I'm just going to go and do this, he asked the Lord, he took the time to say, Lord, I want to come before you and ask you direction. Where am I to go? What am I to do? And then when someone doubted that, and, they, and, and even though he heard from the Lord, he went back to confirm it. Lord, where am I to go? What am I to do? Should I do this? And the Lord spoke again, confirmed once again to go. And he does this exact same thing in 2 Samuel 5, uh, chapter 5, verse 19, where they're about to go and attack the Philistines again. And he goes before the Lord and says, Lord, what am I to do? He says, go. And so he went again. David continuously went to the Lord for direction. But it's not only him. There's also a man named Moses. Moses was one of the most prominent guys who would go to the Lord for direction. He felt unqualified, unworthy. And he went every single time. And that's where we end up getting a beautiful book called Exodus but also something called the Ten Commandments. Most people know what that is. I'm not going to go into detail with that one. But it all came from Moses first going to the Lord for direction. And I imagine he was really busy when he was leading a nation. There was probably a lot of people asking him, Moses, 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 what am I to do? What are we doing? Complaining, whining. But yet he took the time to ask the Lord. So one of the other things that we're to do is not only for direction, this is one that I've learned in this last year very well. And I'm still learning to do. The Lord gives us meditation. And when I say meditation, I'm not talking about what the world sees as meditation. I'm talking about the peace that the Lord gives. So when we sit at the feet of Jesus and we meditate on his word, it brings us peace. And actually, God promises us peace. He promises a place of comfort and peace for us to live in. But it starts at the feet of Jesus. People would go into the holies of holies and meditate when the Lord... David would go into the tabernacle or, uh, and, and meditate on the Lord day and night. When he was on a fleeing from Saul, he would meditate on the Lord day and night, seeking for peace in the midst of chaos. The Christmas season can be very chaotic. Our lives can be very chaotic with things going on. It can feel like we are the furthest thing from peace at times. In fact, our society is one of the most stressed societies and cultures in the world. 2020 or the pandemic, has, it just elevated all of that. Where people don't know if there's a place of peace anymore. People don't know what true peace means. But we are to sit 
at the feet of Jesus and ask for the peace that he promises. In Psalms 29, verses 10 and 11, it says this. Psalm 29, 10 and 11. It says, The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. And the Lord blesses them with peace. The Lord blesses them with peace. God wants to give you peace. And there's another verse that this is one of my favorite passages in Psalm 4. And it talks about actually laying down. And in fact, when I have friends or myself am struggling to to fall asleep, I go to this passage and it's in Psalm 4, starting in verse 6. Many people say, who will show us better times? Let your face smile on us, Lord. You have given me greater joy than those who have abundant harvest, grain, and new wine. In peace, I will lay down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. When we're stressed, we cannot have sleep sometimes. It's hard to find that. But Jesus promises peace. God promises peace. In fact, it actually says that he is the prince of peace. This mic is like, (laughs) keeps on falling down on me. (laughs) I'm going to try and not have to fidget as much. (laughs) But anyways, Jesus promises peace. But it starts in a place of submission. It starts in a place where we have to actually humble ourselves and go before the Lord and say, Jesus, Jesus, I need you. I need to give you that time in the midst of all of this. I'm busy, but here I am. I need your peace. It doesn't have to be long. It can be if you need it. But sometimes all you need is that five minutes in the midst of a busy day where you take that time to ask God for peace, or you start getting stressed, and you say, God, just give me peace. Give me peace in this chaotic time. And he will. He will. It may not happen always like that, but if you continuously lay yourself and submit at the feet of Jesus, things will start to change. Peace will start to overcome your lives. Or it'll look different. And one of the last ones, actually before I move on, there's one last passage. I just caught it. Is <laughs> in Acts 16. So this is one of my favorite, another one of my favorite passages. In Acts 16, there's a young man named Silas and an old man named Paul. Now Paul was one of the most well-known people in the Bible. He wrote most of it. And He's going around and he's hanging around with Silas. He's like, come with me, Silas. This young man growing in his faith. And what happens is they get absolutely whipped and, 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 and like, absolutely, like they, they get, what is the word that they use? But anyways, they get beaten up, to say the least, to make, simplify it. They get beaten up, Paul and Silas together. And not only that, but they get imprisoned. Now for most people, this would be enough to destroy your hope. But for Paul and Silas, this was an opportunity to worship because they understood that the Lord was present. The Lord was with them. So in the midst of this, in in, in Acts 16, they have been beaten and flogged. And then they go 
and they're in prison where they could be mourning and weeping and sad and, and ready to die, like most people would. I don't know if I was beaten up the, that same day, I'd probably be on the floor crying, rubbing my wounds, because it hurts. You just got beat up. Maybe not many people have been beaten up, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> I come from a sport, uh, a fighting sport, so <laughs> I understand the feeling of being beaten. And I wasn't supposed to be funny, but some people chuckled there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> but they were flogged, and yet at that moment, they chose to worship Jesus and find peace in the midst of chaos. If they can find peace in a prison cell after being beaten and find a place to worship God, I think in the midst of our chaos and our hurt and our pain, we can find a place for God as well. We can find that place, but we've got to make that time. They chose to have peace. They chose to enter into that place with the Lord by laying at his feet and worshiping him. And last, it comes to transformation. When we lay at the feet of Jesus, he transforms us. He absolutely changes our lives. When we choose to to meditate with the Lord and be with him and choose that place of peace, when you choose to submit to him and allow him to change us, we see remarkable transformation in our lives. About just over a year ago, I was going through a really tough time. Life had just caught up to me. I wasn't taking that time to be with Jesus. I wasn't taking that time. I thought I could be strong on my own. Woo! And I put on this face that I was okay. But it finally caught up to me. It finally caught up to me And I ended up having to take a month off. Took a month off, and in that month, I just sat before the feet of the Lord in brokenness. All the hurt and the pain that I felt throughout my life from being bullied, from being told I'm not good enough, from all the hardships that life throws at you, I sat there for a month. I would wake up in the morning, barely able to get up at times, but I, I set my phone outside and an alarm out there so I had to get up out of my bed and I would sit on my floor. Sometimes I'd fall asleep, but before I did, I'd say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am, I'm broken, I'm messed up, I'm lost, I don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing, but here I am. And I would just sit there in the morning, every single morning for 31 days. And what happened? What happened when every single morning I chose to recognize Jesus and ask him to be my Lord and Savior. Well, things started to be transformed. My life started to change. Because when we lay at the feet of Christ and we choose to do it on a regular basis, in our brokenness, which honestly, guys, we're all messed up. We're all so broken, destroyed. This past year has just amplified everything. None of us are perfect. We may put on a face when we go outside into church on Sunday morning, but we're broken. We all need Jesus. We all need to sit 
at the feet of Jesus like Mary did. We all need to be with him and submit to him and say, Jesus, change me, transform me. I bet you if I talk to some of the, the girls from Teen Challenge, every single one of them said, when I submitted to Jesus, things changed. I've got friends that got, went through the program, and when they chose to choose Jesus, they cut hard drugs, cold turkey, and Jesus transformed their lives because they chose to submit and ask Jesus to be their Lord. He is the, the greatest transformer ever. Like, you know those little toys where they transform from a car to like this? Like, it's transformers, but they transform a, co- a car into like this big beast. God turns us into something simple, into something magnificent. Because like there, it just looks like something like anything else. But when we choose to sit at them, he transforms us into something remarkable. Because on our own, we can't do anything. But with Jesus, we can do everything. It is only by him that we are given the strength to transform into something great for the kingdom of God. Here are some examples. Matthew. Matthew was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. He was a liar. He was a cheater. And he was hated. He was a tax collector. Who here would like tax collectors? Yeah! Notice how nobody cheered. (laughs) Right? He wasn't a very well-liked man. But yet Jesus told, took this liar and cheater and turned him into a saint. Turned him into someone who changed the church. Who died and was martyred for Christ. So there's one. Then there's this other man named uh, Saul. Some of us know, may know him as Paul, the apostle. And uh, he was a murderer. He was a murderer. And, and, and God took that murderer and transformed him into a man who wrote the majority of the New Testament. You read the New Testament, majority of the epistles were written by him. The letters to the church were by Paul. So he turned a man who was killing the Christians into title. He wouldn't give it to himself. So there's two. Then there's a man named Peter. He was just a fisherman. He was probably like, a, if you've ever been in trades, they're pretty rough. He probably swore a lot. He probably said some vulgar things. But God used him as a fi- changed him from a fisherman into the leader of the church. The one who led his sheep. The one who he trusted to lead the church. David, he was a shepherd, an adulterer. God turned him into a man after his own heart and the king of Israel. He was this low-life man, but when, when, when David submitted himself to God and said, Jesus, here I am, and you can find all the places in the Psalms where David laid down at the feet of God and said, here I am. Direct me, lead me, show me. And he transformed this man into something even greater. Moses, he was an orphan, a man with a stutter, and God chose him to lead a nation out of a hostile place in Egypt into the promised land. Jesus will take the little that you have or what you feel you have and he'll show you even greater than you realized. God isn't a magician. He isn't a genie who's going to transform you into what you want. He's going to transform you into what he's desiring for the kingdom of God. Because when we lay at the feet of Jesus, it's not our heart that we see, it's God's. When we sit at the feet of Christ, we learn our Father's heart. 
And that's where true transformation happens. After that month of sitting there, I started to notice that my depression started to disappear. It became easier and easier to get up in the morning. I noticed that my my relationships with my friends started to grow more. I noticed that my love for other people started to grow. Things with my family started to to mend back together and we became family. (laughs) Again, as weird as that sounds. All from the place of you into mighty men and women of God. So in the midst of a busy life, I'm not asking for four hours of your day to spend with Jesus. Because a lot of us don't have that time. We still have to work. Right? God is our provider, but there is in our culture we do have to work to pay for rent or housing or even hydro, especially right now. If you look outside, you might need that. It's cold. <laughs> but why did I make a little side note? I lost track there. We don't need the ultimate time of, of six to eight hours. There's people who are called to do that, and there's prayer houses across this nation that will spend time with the Lord and, 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 and be praying for you guys. There's people, pastors in the church here that are praying for you guys. But what I'm asking you guys to do is to take that simple five to ten minutes a day, whether before bed or when you first wake up, like I did, it doesn't have to be anything supernatural. All I did was sit and say, Jesus, here I am. Help me. And he helped change my heart from the inside and out. It's as simple as that. I'm asking five to ten minutes a day to lay at your father's feet and say, what do you have in store? What do you have in store for me? Simple explanation of what it means to sit at the feet of Jesus is to give our creator our effort. Our Lord and Savior needs our effort to show him we still desire him in the midst of chaos. Fun fact about Martha that some of you may not know. Martha, a, couple, a little bit later, actually, was the first pe- person to realize that Jesus was the Messiah. Her and Peter were some of the first ones to actually declare that in the scripture. When Jesus was going to heal someone, Martha comes before him first and, and left Mary behind because she was weeping and mourning. And, and, and she recognized him as the Messiah and says, I have always known you to be the Messiah. She recognized him as the Messiah. A lot of people in here recognize Jesus as their Savior. We need to make that time for him as well. We need to give him our effort. We need to give him our stress, our anxiety, our worries. So much worry in this world, but why? Why? There's not a worry in this world that the Lord can't handle. He wants to take this stress and worry from you guys. And the last one is he wants us to lay our time before him. There's a saying in the business and a lot of places that time is money. Time is money. The Lord wants our time. He wants part of your day. He wants those things with you. And it's not a selfish thing. And actually, the God's a beautiful God where he, he's not going to force you to do this. It's only by your choice that you get to sit at the feet of Christ. But it's a gift that we do. So as a congregation... Will you guys join me in your time going forward 
as I'm learning to do this as well continuously in the midst of busyness, as, 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 as things get busy in life, we sometimes the first thing we forget is to sit at the feet of Christ. But when you do that, it seems like five minutes was two hours. And sometimes two hours feels like five minutes. Let's sit at the feet of Christ and let him transform us and see what he does in our city. See what it does in our family, in our nation. It starts at the feet of Jesus. Will you join me in five to ten minutes of sitting at the feet of your creator, your heavenly father, Jesus Christ? That's my challenge for you guys today. I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to pass it over to Pastor Glenn. Jesus, I just thank you for your transformational spirit. Lord, I just thank you that when we sit at your feet, when we choose to be with you, when we choose to say yes to you, Jesus, continuously, I thank you that you transform us. Lord, I thank you that you do not transform us into the world, but Father, you transform us to be more like you. Lord, just as John 3.30, Lord, I pray this over myself and over the congregation. Lord, let us decrease and you increase. Let us become more like you as we learn to sit at your feet and meditate on your word. Bring us peace. Lord, I pray for the people in this room that are in a chaotic season, that are hurting, that are broken, that have all these things in their lives. God, I pray that you be able to bring in peace and transformation into their lives. I pray for direction, people that are wondering where to go, what to do next, God. I pray that you start to speak to them as they sit at your feet. You are the one who shows us where to go. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for your transformational spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And they all said, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.